We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey friends, and welcome to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 196. Our guest today is the owner and founder of Mad Barn, which specializes in nutrition and gut health for horses, which is such an important aspect to the foundation of why we do this sport, which is the love for the animal and the performance aspect of how incredible these horses are. And they can't perform at their top performance without proper nutrition and proper health, especially gut health. So without further ado, I would love to welcome our guest today, Scott Ciesler. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on no i appreciate you having me on this evening or i guess i don't know what time it is when this will air but uh, (laughs) for us it's evening that's fine (laughs) um amazing well tell me a little bit um before we kind of get into all things mad barn and gut health and all of that i would love to kind of hear about how you first kind of found yourself in the horse world yeah it's um it honestly is the the b tracks of southwestern ontario is how i <laughs> found myself in the horse world it's not uh, it's certainly not a glamorous introduction into the horse world but i think it's like how m- many people can relate to it when you get involved in the horse industry no matter what sector it is you, there's a tendency just to fall in love with the animal and we obviously have a long history together with horses uh, as humans Mm-hmm. These essentially have evolved together uh, and they've brought us where we are today. Now we use them for more sport today than we they did in the past, but uh, we, we've been really uh, involved with each other, I guess, over time. And I'm no different. It's just, uh, they're just magnificent animals uh, from an athletic standpoint. Uh, I'm just in awe of what the, the capacity that they have and the, the things that they can do. And so from a very young age, even, you know, at the, at the racetracks and working with trainers and um, even, you know, breeding farms and having our own horses. Uh, it's just something I've always, always been, always circled back to. I've left it a few times and come back to it, I guess, uh, <laughs> numerous times. And now I'm fully, fully immersed into it. And I guess getting to do what I, I mean, ultimately want to do, which is fantastic. And that's, um, not, it's not even, it's, it's not even probably what most people think of when they look at the company, but it's the research side of things and moving uh, horse nutrition forward in a, in hopefully a big way. Eventually we're not, uh, we're just getting started right now, but uh, hopefully down the road, we, we make a real impact and improve the lives of horses. Yeah. What even really like got you into horse nutrition? <laughs> it's a bit of a long road. I mean, it, I think like a lot of people, you know, I grew up on a farm so you have a lot of interaction with vets. We I worked with a vet and we did a co-op in grade 12 with the, the vet. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll go to Guelph and become a veterinarian. I think after first year, um, <laughs> it was clear I was not going to become a vet. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, I was never honestly that good of a student. And eventually I, I found my way into research. I was always very curious. I always wanted to know how things worked, whether it was mechanical, you know, tearing apart a radio or a car or something and just figuring out how does this work how, and putting it back together. And eventually ended up in uh, John Cann's lab, which is a ruminant lab of all things and working for it as a summer student. 
and really got into research and found my way, I guess, because up until that point, honestly, I was, you know, I was probably like a lot of people who go to university, you're, you're there, you're learning, but mm-hmm. you're probably there more for the social aspect than uh, <laughs> or for the education. Yeah. And, but once I got into the research, my goodness, it just like it fed into what was already there. There's just that natural curiosity. I think of like, how does this work? And we can ask a question and you can set up the experiment and you can do the experiment and then you can start to find your answers, which then inevitably just creates, um, that many more questions to keep going and so that's where i guess the the desire to learn more about nutrition exercise physiology uh, i've always been a big fan of sports again coming from the racehorse world um, i mean these are very very high performing horses uh, and, and their capabilities of what they can do and how they can do it you know in comparison to um, other animals that don't have that that athletic ability and just wanting to understand why and so that's essentially how I got kind of into the nutrition side and it's just been fueled ever since. Um, it's been a long time now <laughs> since I was in university. Uh, but sure. With, with yeah. your experience in with the kind of racehorse world, what were some common things that you saw as being kind of those, uh, I guess, common health issues for those horses? Well, you know, that's an interesting question in the sense that in the racehorse world, the uh, you, the issues aren't usually around nutrition. I mean, there are definitely nutritional issues when it comes mm-hmm. to gut health and how we feed them. Uh, but a, a lot of times it's lameness, right? Because you're dealing with very young animals that are performing at a very high level. And so that's usually the, the sector you're dealing in. And that's, well, I mean, obviously that's not an area I deal in a lot of, but uh, the gut health and the, the nutrition side is, which is a bit, uh, like, it's definitely getting more attention in the last uh, last little while. Right. Um, but it was always up until that point, it was, it was very much focused on lameness be, because it was such a big issue, um, which, which is understandable because in the racehorse industry, they do, they, they push them young. And, the, you know, when there's that amount of money on the line, um, sometimes the uh the best interest interest of the animal is not always in the yeah. forefront which is which is honestly is the downside a little bit to the racing um side my my passion is just uh to see them how well they can perform at, at very high levels and keep them healthy um, which doesn't always tie into nutrition per se uh like solely it's a big part of it but like we're fundamentally a NABAR nutrition company, but the exercise physiology part is another big sector. I want to bring into it and, you know, things like biometrics and understanding, like getting some biometric information from these horses and then starting to understand, you know, early signs of, you know, if there are lameness issues and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting. Um, with the kind of, prevalence of gut health. And I know that's definitely like one of your pillars with Mad Barn. Tell me about how you kind of got introduced to that area of horse nutrition. Well, I have to be honest with you when, you know, even in university, like my focus was really just on the nutrition side and gut health wasn't really on my radar. Hmm. And it wasn't until that I graduated, started working in the, well, I actually worked in the feed industry and then I worked in, um, for a company that basically supplies the feed industry. And we really, they're providing natural solutions to like uh, growth, like antibiotic growth promotes and things like that, uh, really focused on gut health. And, you know, this is the production animal standpoint. This is even horses at this point. 
um, and how big of an impact gut health had on growth rates, health, these animals and all these different things. And I really immersed myself in that. And then kind of came back out to the horse industry again, I guess, and started understanding more, you know, there was the fundamental nutrition and exercise physiology part, and then started bringing this gut health side in and how big of an impact it has. And I think, you know, even on our website, I think we talk about, you can put the best nutrition program together in the world, but if gut health is compromised, it's not going to get you the results you want. And so all this experience kind of in the production animal side and what we were doing uh, for gut health came around the horse side. And it was almost, honestly, it was almost dumb luck to dive into it more because initially when I started Mad Barn, I just strictly wanted to be a nutrition company. Hmm. I didn't want to go out into like joint supplements or gut health supplements or the myriad of other supplements that are on the market. I just wanted to focus on nutrition and it was this constant battle with gut health, uh, whether it be gastric ulcers or hindgut issues, it was just always there that we're like, okay, well, we need to deal with this. This is just a, it's too big of an issue in all uh, facets of the equestrian industry uh, not to deal with it. And then <laughs> some of it's dumb luck, honestly, a vet clinic approached us and said, you know, we're charging our clients a lot of money for gastroguard and treating these horses. And obviously it's effective. I mean, they've proven it's effective uh, for treating gastric ulcers, but then at some point you have to stop or right. most people want to stop, whether it be, you know, monetary reasons or whether it would just be the health of the animal, because that treatment is not necessarily in the best interest long-term. So like, we need something afterwards to, you know, help with this. And they, they had some ideas what they wanted to do. And then I, I was like, well, I have a pretty extensive background on this. So let's do some things different than just this one or two things you guys are looking at. And that's basically where we got more into the gut health side of things. And now we're kind of balanced between this company that is, you know, supplies a gut health supplement and the nutrition side um, where we almost got lost a little bit. People were only knew about us for the gut health side. And they're like, oh, you guys do nutrition as well? And they're like, yeah, that's actually our primary uh, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> purpose. But it, 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 it was it was successful. It was very successful, honestly, in terms of what we did. And there's there's a lot of there's a lot of products on, on the market that they have the ingredients in them to be successful, but not at the levels they need to be at, I guess. And I don't know if I was just naive when I got into it, or I was just more concerned about okay, we just this is what you have to do if you wanted this to work, and that's what we did. And it was at a price point, I guess, that was acceptable to most consumers. And then it did, uh, it did what we said it would do, uh, essentially. What is it about ulcers and gastric ulcers that are so common in our horses today? I, th- I think it's just in the way we, we manage horses today and what we do with them today versus what they evolved. And I, I think it is as simple as, you have an animal that's evolved to never need to shut off gastric acid secretion, uh, which is is fundamental in digestion. So coming to the way we treat gastric ulcers and, and everybody seems to be taking this tact of let's raise the, the stomach pH and that'll allow the ulcers to heal. And I mean, it's, it's effective in the short term, 
but it's also combating what is actually supposed to be happening in the stomach. And that is to acidify the food that's coming in there. And there's multiple reasons that protein digestion, uh, combat pathogens that are entering. I mean, it's an opening to the world that's entering into the body. There's a lot of pathogens that are coming in there. They need to be acidified and uh, essentially killed. And we're, we're fighting that to treat the symptom that is a function of basically a husbandry or management that we've imposed on the horse, where we're not just allowing them to graze freely, to move over vast you know, spaces and eat sparingly all the time. And because their stomach just doesn't have the on-off switch for producing that acid, that we get these, we get these, the outcome that is gastric ulcers, I guess now. And I don't think it's going to change. Now, in due time, the horse may evolve and eventually put that switch in there where it's like, okay, we don't need to produce acid all the time because we get fed intermittently, whereas previously we would eat all day long, essentially. But that that's as simple as it is, I think, is just constant acid secretion. And it splashes up in the non-glandular region, which was never really meant to be exposed to a lot of acid. And then it just eats away at the lining and you get uh, ulceration and discomfort. Tell me a little bit about the nutrition aspect of Mad Barn. Obviously, there's so many factors that go into nutrition and uh, for the horse's environment and like all of those changes all the time. So tell me a little bit about how you can help horses on like a personal custom level when there's all these factors to take into consideration. Well, I think that's, you know, honestly, is what we're trying to do is be able to start to take in as many factors as is is reasonable, I guess. And we're still in the infancy of that in terms of what we can do today with the knowledge that we have today. But we can still put together a pretty healthy diet and recommendations for people to get back to basically as natural a type of diet as the, the horse would be exposed to. And then moving forward, what we're trying to do is understand all the nuances that go into the diet. And that comes to the modeling research program we're putting together, which is a trying to build a nutrition model or dynamic one that has at least takes into account all the different components that go into what affects the nutrition program, whether it be you know, things like rate of passage, the physical nature of the diet, like how much have you processed the diet, whether it's are you feeding this pellet that's down to a really small micron size? And so that's actually some of the issue with the gastric ulcers um, or feeding long stem. Hey, and the horse has teeth issues. And so it's not chewing enough. So you end up with long pieces going through the uh, gastrointestinal system and that's causing issues to be able to start to predict some of these outcomes in a model is really what we're driving for uh, because it just doesn't exist today. And there doesn't seem to be much appetite from anybody uh, to do it. Mostly I think because the, the horse is a pleasure animal from, so from a government funding standpoint, they're not interested. Um, Mm -hmm. And then from a, Equines, it is just a segment in industry. So there's no one overriding funding body. Like there would be, say, in dairy, uh, take supply management in Canada, where all the dairy farmers are regulated by one body and they decide, okay, we're going to dedicate 2% of all revenue to research to improve, you know, health and welfare or whatever they define um, 
the research objectives to be. We just don't have that in the, in the horse world. And so what we're trying to do is be, you know, basically fund that ourselves and develop this, this model that then allows us to understand completely or more completely what is happening when we feed these different feed programs, what's happening in the gut, what's happening in the microbiome, and what's happening to the horse, how it's impacting gut health, all the different variables that go into a nutrition program. Based on a lot of horses that you have worked with, is there does there tend to be kind of like a common theme of deficiencies or you know things you end up um, advising that the owner puts them on as far as like supplements or just basic nutrition changes? Yeah, on the overriding thing I think in horse nutrition is similar to what you see in human nutrition. It's it tends to be excess calories, excess protein insufficient minerals and vitamins we've done like we've done a few just like field studies where we've analyzed all the feed stuffs the hay everything the horse was consuming and i think it was over 200 we did one summer and it was well over 90 percent were deficient in key trace minerals and vitamins was the big one and in most cases i would say 98 percent were well over supplied in energy and protein i think people overestimate how much energy a horse needs to consume and how much protein a horse needs to consume. And they vastly underestimate um, the mineral and vitamin concentration of the feeds are giving the horse. I, I do find that's the biggest area. Now we get a lot of questions about like, say off the track thoroughbreds are my horse is too thin. Uh, how do I put weight on a horse? Generally, putting weight on a horse is not that hard. There are certainly some cases where it can be difficult if there's some serious gut health issues or uh, disease involved. But generally, it's it really is not that hard. Mm -hmm. uh, it comes down to forage selection, picking the right forage for the horse, and then just balancing the diet for what the horse is doing. And the probably the biggest thing is just patience, because you can. Just to use a, an example, if you're taking a you know off the track thoroughbred that's right off the track, I mean they're going to be lean generally, mm -hmm. and then you want to go into hunters with you know with, and they're like, well, now I want X, you know I I don't want to see a rib on this horse essentially. Right. Well, that's a that's going to take some time, or it should take some time. If you do it quickly, that's not healthy, um, and it's just a matter of being patient, I guess, and you know working through and it would be like any training program training a horse to do a different discipline is going to take time. It's incremental, small steps. It's the same with nutrition. It should be incremental, small steps, not, I want to put 200 pounds on my horse in a month. Um, that's not a good goal. What you should be looking at is I want to feed this horse appropriately, make sure I meet the nutritional needs. And if I have want this horse's physical appearance to be such, then we will set <clears throat> milestones to get there in a very reasonable manner. And that's really, uh, we spend a lot of time trying to instill that into our customers or people who consult with us about just, you know, the patience and ensuring we're doing it correctly and doing what's best for the horse, not what's necessarily best to get you in the show ring the fastest. If you've been riding for a bit, chances are you have the blisters, saddle sores and rubs on your feet and your heels to prove it. So Dreamers and Schemers has amazing boot socks that are not only super cute, but they have a lightly padded and moisture wicking footbed 
and flat seam toe to really protect those problem areas. But not only are Dreamers and Schemers socks a great way to express yourself in a subtle way, but they also have an amazing feature, and that is the black cuff at the top of the sock to prevent any pattern peekaboo in the ring. The super fun colors and amazing quality also extends to the other Dreamers and Schemers products, and those are the main Jane leather belts and leather spur straps. They literally carry any color and texture leather you can possibly think of with amazing reversible belts. I love the main Jane belts and really heavy duty and fashionable spur straps. So to find out more information, head over to their website at dreamersandschemers.com. That's D-R-E-A-M-E-R-S n-s-c-h-e-m-e-r-s.com. Thank you so much, dreamers and schemers. All right, let's head back to the episode. Give me kind of like a rundown of what it would look like kind of from start to finish of like onboarding a new customer with analyzing their horse's diet and then kind of making a plan from there. Well, the biggest thing is just asking a lot of questions, you know, getting the background on the horse and then on the feeding program, like to, like to know the history of the feeding program and then kind of what the future goals are would be the biggest thing. And probably the biggest hole we have in terms of feeding horses is the forage analysis. And I, this is the most common thing we run into where I'm, you know, I'm talking to people, as you say about supplements or even things we sell in supplements and people are agonizing over you know, this pail of whatever and this pail of whatever. And I try to instill in them that's maybe five to 10% of the nutritional needs, whether it be minerals and vitamins or whatever it is, you know, a protein supplement, for instance, there's lots of amino acid supplements or you know, build top line on this horse. And like at best, that's providing 5% of the, of that requirement. What is providing 90 to 95 or should be providing 90 to 95% of your horse's nutritional requirements is the forage, whether it be pasture, whether it's dry hay you're feeding, whether it's the haylages you can buy, that should be the staple and the basis of your horse's diet. And what you end up finding out is they have no clue what the quality is in that. So we try to at least get them to appreciate the forage quality that they're feeding the horse. And that, that becomes the, the cornerstone of what we're doing. And so we spend a lot of time and effort analyzing forages, working with labs, getting at least, you know, regional differences in mineral content. The, the protein and energy is a lot harder because it depends on the time of harvest. If, you, if you're talking about hay or even pasture in terms of mm-hmm. if it's the early spring or it's the middle of summer when everything's dried out, uh, what they're getting from it. But that, you know, that's probably what we spend the most time on is trying to understand the forage aspect of the diet. Because again, nutrition, it, a lot of times it's just basic math, but then that basic math has to work back to, are you meeting the horse's behavioral needs as well? So I can balance a diet that's extremely high with a high quality forage and say, okay, if you just fed this, you know, this eight kilos of feed that meets your horse's all its nutritional requirements, it will do fantastic nutritionally, but the horse can consume all of that in about two hours. So that leaves Mm -hmm. 10 hours where it needs to fill its time doing something else. Yeah, That's a terrible diet. Uh, So we have to, you know, we have to start taking those factors into consideration as well. So what is the horse doing? What is available as feedstuffs? Because there's times like now, for instance, there's drought in different regions where they're like, we just simply don't have hay. We need to buy 
you know, either buy forage or we're buying forage pellets. So what can we do? And, you know, and you try to work with the client of, okay, you know, can you do, how many multiple feedings can you do in a day? What's practical? And it's a balance between what's practical and in theory, what's best for the horse. And you, you end up, that's a, you spend a lot of time, honestly, doing a lot of that, you know, the theory and the practical, making them work together and trying to come up with the best outcome for the horse. But it involves spending a lot of time and asking a lot of questions. And I find you find I find a lot of people email us and they're just like, "Give me an answer to this," or "What supplement should I feed you?" Mm-hmm. Which is a crazy thing to ask. What supplement should I feed? And like, I have no idea. Tell me about your horse. We're going to spend about two hours asking you questions about your mm-hmm. horse before I even think about making a recommendation to you. Speaking of, what are some of your favorite Mad Barn products and kind of how did they come to be um, and why did you feel like they were important to offer to your customers? You know, realistically, we really don't, we really don't have that many products. We have uh, Omnity, which is mineral and vitamin, and it's my favorite because it's the one I, I formulated from the beginning. It's, it's undergone many transformations. You know, as we learn, mm-hmm. we make changes um they're usually incremental and small but uh that that hands down is my favorite just just because every horse needs it 365 days a year and it does so much good for so little money um you know people look at the price of the bag and go oh that's really expensive then you explain the cost per day and you're like ah it's less you know you spend more on coffee than you do on this and here's all the benefits for your horse so it by far uh, is my favorite product. And then uh, like visceral is <laughs> it's become a fan favorite, uh, simply yeah. because of what we get the most positive feedback from it. and everybody loves positive feedback and I'm no different. So with the mineral and vitamin, you know, a lot of the horses is just a mild deficiency. And so it can take some time to see a difference now that we've seen some pretty stark differences in short periods of time, but it's not sexy like mineral and vitamin nutrition or nutrition in general doesn't tend to be that sexy. You take a horse that's really suffering and visceral, give them visceral and it works it, and it's night and day difference. And the owner goes from distraught to mm-hmm. just ecstatic. It's hard not to fall in love with that. And because again, the business is, although it's here to fund my passion of the research, which I want to do on the nutrition side, um, is also very much a, a people business, right? It's, mm-hmm. you know, you're helping the horses, you're helping the, the person that owns that horse as well, which uh, I don't know, there's not much better feeling in the world than helping other people. Definitely. Tell me about an area of the industry that you are particularly passionate about that you feel like the rest of the equestrian community either just doesn't know a lot about or just doesn't talk that much about. So I think honestly, nutrition is a huge one. Yeah. Like we still feed horses. When you look across, like you look across some of these elite uh, riders, trainers, and how the feed programs get put together, it's not awesome. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so, I mean, in some cases it is. I mean, some of the, you know, elite thoroughbred trainers are now employing nutritionists on staff, which is fantastic. You know, that's, you know, great to see that happening in that movement. But uh, so nutrition is obviously a big one. And then uh, the other one's biometric data from horses. And I know, you know, I think uh, polar heart rate monitors is probably the first one into it. And most of the endurance community uses so, well, they have to use heart rate monitoring basically uh, for vet checks and whatnot. I don't think we use it to its full capability though. And I think that's really, 
probably the next evolution and where we'll see advancements in training and treatment of horses is picking, you know, you, you look on the human side, everybody, even non-athletes are wearing Fitbits now and measuring yeah. their, their heart rate variability and their sleep and things like that. And I think you'll see that move over. Well, it already is moving over into the horses and companies are doing research in it. And, and we, we definitely have a strong interest in it, not necessarily from a commercial aspect of wanting to be the ones to commercialize it, but to be involved in it and how to tie that together with the nutrition model that we're developing and, and really start to again, come back to uh, these really high performance horses and getting to them to achieve at the absolute pinnacle of their ability, but in a manner which is conducive to their ultimate welfare. And uh, we can only do that by gathering as much data as possible. Like I know horsemanship goes a long way and I'm not taking away anything from people and years of experience, but I think there's a lot more we could be doing and can be doing. And, and we're moving there. It's just a matter of one, the technology and the technology exists. And then there's the implementation and just getting it into uh, practical usage. I think that's probably the part that I'm super passionate about that people yeah. probably won't spend a ton of time talking about. Totally. For for people who are horse owners that just don't know or don't, you know, they, they haven't been educated or they don't know where to learn more about their horse's nutrition, um, where do you, I mean, obviously, <laughs> barn is a great place to go, but, but what do you, like, what do you recommend for them to, like, learn more about what they should even, I know, I feel like in the industry, it's a lot of, like, oh, well, so-and-so feeds <laughs> this, or, like, oh, this is where, what my old barn used to feed, you know, and it just is kind of based off of that, but. Uh, how do how do, what do you recommend for people to learn more about their horse's nutrition? I, I recommend they stay away from Google, honestly, <laughs> unless it's yeah. Google Scholar. In which case, <laughs> go for it, because then you're getting good information that's sure. uh, been peer reviewed. But I do like honestly us because we have a nutrition model, which is the NRC. It's I mean, it's, you know, the NRC is the nutrient nutrient requirements as defined by all the research basically been done and evaluated and said, this is the best we know today. And that model we give, we provide for free. And we're like, we'll set your diet up. You can go look at it. You don't have to believe us. You don't have to believe our recommendations. Here are the numbers. And, and then, you know, look at them and take them to somebody else. And uh, so I do think in terms of just fundamental nutrition, we are the place to go because you can't get that anywhere else right now. And I guess the second thing is I find, you know, I find people, there's a, there's a segment of the industry that almost wants to become their own nutritionist and that's okay. Except for sometimes when you know a little bit, you get, you, there's a lot you're missing and you, you become a little overconfident in what mm -hmm. you know a little bit you do know and that's where you do want to rely on professionals and I, I get it's a land you know it's hard you know how, how do you pick you know somebody's telling you one thing and this person's telling you another um and how do you how do you know who to go with and i guess that's where you just come back to data and that's what we're trying to provide people i we have an extensive blog posting out there and talking about different nutritional um, topics and as we're doing that i am very firm on you know, one, it shouldn't be like excessive. There should be no excessive claims. Everything should be very fundamental and it must, it absolutely has to be referenced. And so when you read those, hopefully that's, it comes across and people understand that, okay, these are fully referenced. This isn't just marketing. Uh, 
uh, for the sake of marketing. Uh, so again, I guess that brings us back to us, but uh, <laughs> there's, there's universities in an, that have lots of equine nutrition uh, centers that you can go to as well to get unbiased opinions. I mean, everybody's biased to an extent, but uh, non-commercial, I guess, would be the way to go. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for people who want to learn more about Mad Barn and you know, possibly how they could get started really kind of diving into their horse's nutrition to see what's best for their horse. Where do you recommend, like, how do you recommend them starting that process? Honestly, just uh, the easiest way is to go to our website, fill out the form, because then you provide all your horse's information to us. We have a team of nutritionists uh, that will reach out to you, ask you questions if there's missing information, and they'll start to put together a program. That's the easiest way. Uh, if you don't like going to the website, you can certainly call the toll-free number and start that way and just give us the horse's information. The one thing I do ask when people, we find, I do find, and this is great, you get a lot of history about people's horses. Not all of it's related to like the physiology and nutrition side. A lot of it's, you know, just what they've been doing with the horse, and mm -hmm. the horse's past. And that's fantastic. I mean, we love hearing about that. But at the same time, I think it's important to be concise and clear about here's my feeding program, mm -hmm. you know, and then then provide the history. Um, the because sometimes it can take a while to kind of decipher through the... <laughs> <laughs> you hear the life stories. It, it is fantastic. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I understand we all love our horses. And so that part is fantastic. It's just when you have to like work through the novel of, oh, there's the one piece of information and here's the other sure. piece. It's, sometimes it's nice to have it like bullet point at the top. Like, here's what you need to know about my horse. And now here's the rest of it. Yeah, um, absolutely. Awesome. Well, Scott, thank you so much for taking the time and chatting about nutrition and gut health. I mean, they're obviously the absolute foundation of keeping our horses healthy so we can continue to do what we love. So I appreciate all the effort and work that you've put forth through Mad Barn and I wish you all the best. Yeah, I really appreciate having, you, having me on and uh, thank you. All right, that is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much, and I will talk to you next week.